Welcome back to the Tape Store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. And I'm really excited for a lot of reasons. <laughs> uh, it's the first night of fall. Yes, it is the first day of fall. I can't believe that actually our recording lined up. Well, the day we're recording yeah, is the first day of fall. This will yeah. release tomorrow, which right. is the second day. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited because it's spooky season, which we like to get to start on early. Uh, I'm excited because we're talking about Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yes. And we're excited because we have a very special guest. One of our first nostalgia podcast friends that we yes. made. And one of our dearest. And that, is, and also our favorite 90s artist. Yes. Without a doubt. It's like when you, when you, when you, you wonder if there's somebody out there <laughs> that feels the way about the 90s and what you grew up with and what you hold dear. If You know, you wonder if they're out there. Well, not only is, are they out there, but this guy is... is creating is recreating that world yes uh and that is brett wilson hey brett hi everybody how's it going it's going great man uh we're so happy to have you here yeah yeah been, thank it, you very much for having me it's an honor and a pleasure and we spent a little bit of time just catching up with brett uh the last time we really spent a lot of time connecting with him and stuff was uh at the real uh, it was right before the release of scary the scary tales book which is Phenomenal. Uh, just, I mean, for me, it was like a once in a lifetime opportunity to 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 be a part of getting getting this book, right? Um, and, and it was such a huge part of our lives. And now it's it's a it's a pre- it's not just something that we used to watch. It's like right. something that is providing present enjoyment thanks to Brett and the and his amazing team that put it together. Yeah, it was awesome. So yeah, and how is how is that going, Brett, with everything? Just, you know, I know you're moving on to some other projects with Are You Afraid of the Dark, but mm-hmm. so what what's yeah. happening? Yeah. Um I I just had like nonstop praise when I got I finished the Kickstarter and got all the books shipped. And I'm very thankful for everyone who supported the Kickstarter last October because, you know, whether, you know, big Hollywood studios recognize it or not, we made Are You Afraid of the Dark history together. And it's thanks to the powers power of the fans like you, me and everyone else who is involved um, who made it possible. So after kind of riding the high of that whole experience, um, I kind of dialed things back a little bit, did some like fan art on the side to continue to sustain myself as a freelance illustrator. And I've been doing some Are You Afraid of the Dark stickers lately too that have been going over pretty well on Instagram. And they are awesome. Uh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm currently releasing sticker designs from season four of Are You Afraid of the Dark. I've also done Pete and Pete and Salute Your Shorts and the previous three seasons of Are You Afraid of the Dark. So if anyone's interested in grabbing a couple of those characters, uh, feel free to head over to Brett Wilson Art or my store and uh, just connect with me over them. Um, aside from that, um, I'm actually working on getting scary tales to retail. So in about a week, I'm supposed to have a revised manuscript. That's a little bit expanded from the Kickstarter version. So it's going to contain some reboot stuff for the people who are like really demanding it. And then just a couple of detail changes and, um, you know, maybe, maybe some stat changes or, um, maybe like a page about the, are you afraid of the dark books or the board game? And then get that out, um, into the world and then you know, call it case closed for the scary tales chapter of my life and then move on to some other projects that I have in the works that are already for the dark related. So, you know, whatever you happen to catch wind of or see on social media, uh, definitely look forward to great things happening from here. And that's Brett Wilson art at Instagram. And we're going to get into an episode that we're really excited about. Don't worry. Uh, so, uh, but wanted to, uh, talk about a couple more things. Um, 
by the way, if 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 I ever saw the book on retail, I'd grab it too. You know? I know, like even though we have it, like we'd still just get it. Uh, have them both. Got to gotta have both editions. To exactly. Be the, the greatest. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so with Are You Afraid of the Dark? I know there's been some. There's been two newer reiterations, which should show you the longevity and the mm-hmm. and the influence that the original show from the '90s had. Um, there was uh, the Carnival of Doom, and then. The second one, and it escapes me. What is the second one? It's called Curse of the Shadows. Curse it's of the a Shadows. It's a six-part miniseries, and each episode has their own, like, the tale of um, title for their segment. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I'm not... We, we did an episode on uh, Carnival the, the newer, yeah, we yeah. We talked about what we liked, and we talked about, you know, what we didn't. Um, we didn't completely shred it. No, um, that's, that's not really our style. The problem is I just, I find myself missing... Gary and Betty Ann and Frank and David and so on and so on. And, and that original format. In that original format. But um, when I think of what Brett's doing, it's it's returning to that 90s campfire. Right? You know? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you with those feelings. It's, it's nice that it accomplished its own thing and, you know, focused more on the Midnight Society with the two reboot miniseries seasons. But honestly, as a diehard fan who grew up with the series, and most people that I've been talking with were also diehard friends and have kids of their own who they want to introduce to Are You Afraid of the Dark, we all have this common feeling that we want to get back to our roots. We want to return to form. So, you know, maybe we can make a new Midnight Society that are descendants of the original ones from the 90s. Who knows? And just continue that in some sort of way with new tales or new ways to interact with these characters where it doesn't feel like it's straying too far away from the original formula that we all know and love, but also building upon that and expanding upon it in a way that feels like, oh, yeah, this is like a very natural progression of the lineage and the legacy of the Midnight Society that we all know and love. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, you know, watching an interview yeah. with Ross Hull, and he was talking about that. I, it was a, it was either a Zoom interview, but he was talking to someone. I forget who it was, but he was basically saying, I just think that, he was voicing a little bit of kind of like, hey, look, I'm happy that they're doing something with it, but I really do think that the people that grew up on this show really want a taste of yeah. that formula that yes, Brett was talking do. about, you know, so. But yeah, and, but look, this is not, not, not criticizing anything. I'm just saying, you know, I know what I grew up with. Right. I know how it made me feel. And it's really surreal to be, it was really surreal, you know, buying the book. It was yes. really surreal, um, making those connections it, it, it was it, it's been surreal even you know putting those pins out there which we still are working on i don't exactly. want anyone to think that we're stopping with david but no we, we're not we've been very busy we've had a lot of life things happen but we are planning on finishing the midnight society i, yep, I haven't even the talked, original the og midnight society and we haven't even talked to brett about that you know i just was saying <laughs> hey, yeah we, i mean I, I i told you guys day one when i met you and i first saw the pins you know doesn't matter how many Midnight Society pins you make. As long as you make them, I'm going to buy them. I'm going to be first in line because I support anyone who keeps Are You Afraid of the Dark alive and shows the clear passion, dedication, and love for it like I do. Well, I tell Absolutely. you, yeah. And when this episode's over, I'm going to, you know, we well, love well, our fans. Yeah. But when this episode's over, when we when we cut the tape, uh, I'm going to make sure we, we tell Brett who our next person is. You know, yes. You <laughs> might have an Ooh, idea. VIP That'll, yes, yeah. exactly. That'll keep you guys, you know, uh, keep you guys waiting in the wings. It, it is <laughs> happening, though. We almost went for it a couple times. But, you know, we, we, we you know, maybe this spooky season we need to get going on that. But uh, that is yeah. still happening. That has not left our mind. So uh, but yeah. So speaking of. Uh, the Midnight Society. Speaking of Are You Afraid of the Dark, of course, that's all we've been talking about. Right, exactly. Talking about that 90s flame, 
that campfire, right? Uh, yep. we're keeping it alive. Yeah, keeping it alive. We're talking about an episode, obviously, from Are You Afraid yeah, of Yeah, from our own virtual campfire tonight. <laughs> yes. And, and on the first night of fall, and it, I, don't, you know, I don't know how it feels there, you know, where you're at, Brett. I mean, here it's starting to feel like fall. Yeah, today was actually cool. We were like, oh my goodness, fall is here. Oh, I'm yearning for that so much. I mean, <laughs> where, where I live right now, it's just like summer three quarters of the way of the year, and then fall happens during December to January. So I'm, yep. I'm really missing that New England fall feeling with oh. the leaves turning, the pumpkins and apple, everything everywhere. It's just like you really begin to appreciate it when you don't have it anymore. <laughs> I can't imagine living in it's New true. England during the fall. That's like, no. oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I was I was born up there. So it's just something I was used to. Yeah. And, and visiting Sleepy Hollow actually is is Oof. on our bucket list. So, Ooh. yes, we had a We yeah, had a, a podcast. Listener. <laughs> uh, what, say again. I said, take me with you when you go. I'd love to oh, visit God. it, too. I would love to, yeah, I mean, yeah. reconnect with, I mean, Seriously. I would love to, well, connect and meet in person, you and a, a lot of the folks that we've met. Yeah, one of our one of our listeners said, oh, I only live like 45 minutes from uh, Sleepy Hollow, and I was like, uh, listen, can we, can we come crash <laughs> you your place, up? or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, we, we, when we got in touch with Brett, which, by the way, Brett, thanks for taking time out to be on the show, you know. Of course. I, re- uh, I respect you and how you tell your listeners that you respect their time. So that means a lot to me. And I'm always willing to help other people out who um, value the one resource in life that we can never get back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and also, before we begin uh, really getting into this tale, a very special one to all of us, um, Brett, you started a podcast, and I just want to give you a chance just to talk about it for a minute. Yeah, of course. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, I recently started a podcast back in August called Splat Attack. And our tagline is taking it back to the slime filled past. And the reason why that is, is because we felt the need to kind of go dig a little bit deeper and find like nooks and crannies of 90s Nickelodeon um, that most people don't really touch upon on, whether it's like podcasts or social media posts or whatever. So I teamed up with Alex Nance of at True 90s Nickelodeon on Instagram uh, to do this podcast together. And we release new episodes biweekly on social media. And you can pretty much listen to us on like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Listen Notes, anywhere like that where you listen to podcasts. And so far, it's been a really fun experience. Um, we've done like 30th anniversary of Nicktoons and What Would You Do? We've done um, like a 15 versus Welcome Freshman show where we actually had two actors and actresses from the, the show come and like hang out with us for that episode. And we just wow. released uh, from 15 year uh shows so we got a lot of great stuff in store you had uh you had actors and actresses from 15 show up correct uh robin ross who played brooke on 15 uh oh, was she was the main girl so <laughs> she was able to stop by and then chris loben who played kevin on welcome freshman showed up so we had a blast talking together it that was is amazing. so cool oh my gosh these are great these are yeah, great for shows. our uh back to school special episode uh, I was talking to some of my, you know, Brooke and I teach high school, and and, and I promise we're going to get into this tale. I, I make <laughs> this, this is important stuff. I just want to make this comment. Um, and by the way, this is really our first time reconnecting with Brett after a while, so I feel like we're catching up with him as well. Yes. But, uh, yeah. The, the, um, I was sitting with some students who, who watched Nickelodeon. One of them was actually uh, in my classroom on some downtime, and they were watching Spongebob. Because, you know, kids have screens and they have phones and they have Chromebooks and, and, oh, yeah, and they oh, yeah. find ways to pull that up. And I don't bug them about it as long as they're not watching anything outrageous. But watching uh, SpongeBob and I started to tell them about how Nickelodeon was when I was a kid. And I was giving them an example 
and I pulled up an, an old TV schedule from like 92 or 93, yep. mm-hmm. and I named every show. I said, this is what came on from, say, you know, 12 o'clock or 1 until 8 o'clock. Yeah. Which we all know, Nickelodeon ended, it became Nick at Night. Yep. Very mm-hmm. sad. I mean, Nick at Night, great shows. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Nick at Night was always a sad feeling for me because I knew that Nickelodeon was over for the day. But, right. But, but uh, and then I, 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 sh- I went through the schedule and every single show was different. Every single show yeah. was different. Mm-hmm. And then I went to today, uh, a schedule from like this week, and it, it's like 12 hours of SpongeBob. Wow. Ooh. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I was Where did t- all the variety go? Right. The brilliant variety, the, the, the interesting, the unique. It was yeah, something creative. for everyone. Yeah. There was something for everyone. I mean, it, it, it was a really a, an amazing moment to be in the 90s. So so if you love that time, and, and we just had a friend over who was like, oh, God, I love Are You Afraid of the Dark? We showed him the book, oh, Scary he was, Tales. Yeah, he was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And, you know, he just, he, he just doesn't, doesn't know this stuff exists, but he's like, gosh, I remember Nickelodeon when I was a kid. And I was like, if you love that stuff, yeah, check out Splat Attack. You know, of course, you know, and, and if we ever do an episode, you know, we kind of jump around. We do 90s movies and stuff, but we do have moments where we come back to 90s Nickelodeon. But one of the things that 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 we all fell in love with, all three of us that are on the show tonight, is is Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know, we talked about that when, when we were talking about uh, last year. We had Brett and JD right. on, and we talked about uh, just what grabbed us about this show. And so we talked to Brett. We reached out to him. He was willing to make an appearance on the show, and we said, "Okay, what's a tale that we would all want to do?" And Brett mentioned the tale of the Midnight Madness, yes. and me and Brooke were immediately like. Yes, that was all. We were already that was already on our list, so we're like, oh, it's meant to be. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we're going to get into the tale. We're going to get into you know. We're going to kind of go through the story. But w- what do you like about this tale, Brett? You know, just w- w- what made this jump out to you to want to talk about tonight? Yeah. Wow. Um, whenever I think about it, it's it's definitely like top five material for me of all the episodes and. Uh, Not only because there's like, I don't know if I should spoil it or not. No, go ahead, Uh, man. Okay. There's a vampire in it. I'm not going to tell you how, but there's a vampire in it. Hence, you know, spooky season and all. Um, Not only do I really like that, but I just love the feeling of the episode. I I love Frank as a storyteller. You know, he doesn't say too much around the campfire when they're having those like intro segments, but he, he, he brings his a game whenever he's up to bat and I've always, I always loved how he doesn't like pull any punches when he tells his tales that are scary, especially his Dr. Vink episodes, which I've, I've taken quite a liking to. And I, I remember like getting so attached to Phantom Cab growing up that I wanted to see more Dr. Vink uh, after that. And when I, when I've seen all the, all the Vink tales uh, across the series, uh, I just, I love keep. I love coming back to this one more than any other one. It's just like, I feel like this is peak Dr. Vink. You know, his acting is magnificent. It's like a balance of classical with crazy. Yes, Um, totally. And I really love the setting of this like old dilapidated feud that just makes you feel like you're in another era completely. And I would give anything to like go sit at the Rialto and just take in the feeling of being in an old fashioned movie theater that was handcrafted with such austerity. Oh, absolutely. It's true. And I talk about that a little bit. And I just want to say, you know, Brett said that uh, Frank always brings his a game Uh, in my notes. I wrote um, one line. I, in the midst of my notes, uh, when I'm, I'm talking about the campfire section and when I watched it, I just wrote one, uh, one specific phrase. I just want everyone to hear 
this is Frank at the top of his game. So, <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, Brett, obviously you get it. Now, I want to talk about Frank for a second because um, you have actually been in touch with the actor that plays Frank, and that's um, Jason Alisheron. Correct. And yep. he is still very much like, hey, yeah, let's talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark, right? I mean, he, he, he loves the work he did. Oh, yeah. He's, um, I believe, a filmmaker and producer now in L.A., and uh, at one point when like a couple podcasts in our realm of expertise were just starting off a year or two ago, um, I had a chance encounter of him on Facebook where he just moved to a new place in California and he was like looking for something to decorate his walls with. And he somehow found out that I did like, you know, illustrations of all the Midnight Society members for the Scary Tales book and that I actually made posters for them, which are also available on my store, by the way, because apparently no one knows they exist. But um, he saw one look at them and he was like, holy moly, where did this come from? I need to have it. And I was just like, yeah, man, I'll hook you up. I really love your character on the show. I love what you've done for all of us 90 kids. Well, while like everyone's like jumping on my comments and freaking out, I was playing it cool, calm like a bomb. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Sent it to him. And he was very grateful for that. And I ended up getting him uh, for an interview in the Scary Tales book as a result. And now I have... Well, I'm not. I'm not going to reveal too much, but I will be seeing him again for a future "Are You Fear the Dark" related thing that I have prepared. Okay, oh, that's, that's awesome. Okay, that's yeah. too much. It's that's first so time exciting. you're telling us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, breaking news right here. Yeah. Yes. Uh, look, we're total nerds for it. Yes. I mean, oh, that's know. so yeah. cool. So yeah. So yeah. This is this is Frank. And I just wanted to mention that because you know we 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 see these characters and we we wonder sometimes about the the people that play them. And by the way, he's a great actor. Um, yeah, he really is. You like, like you know, just I love him. Yeah. Uh, when I think of him, also I think of the Dangerous Soup. He was really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. In that. Yeah. Just again, and 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 we talked about how when when these kids are at the campfire, we see them very briefly. Right. So it, it leaves so much to our imagination and to our curiosity about you know uh, what, what what these kids do and 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 how they are when they're not at the men. You mm-hmm. know, they're not at the campfire and things like that and. And, and and let's actually go into the story. Yes. Uh, and I want to say, I always like to mention this, uh, the air date for Midnight Madness was June 26, 1993. I was 12, about to turn 13. Uh, and I remember, you know, and it's no spoiler alert, you know, Brett mentioned there's a vampire in this. And it's, for me, it's one of the most striking and, and frightening um, monsters. Yeah, he's, he's intense. And Are You Afraid of the Dark? And, um... Brooke, uh, this is this is a, a vampire story, and 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 Brooke and I, we love vampires in general. Yeah, vampire lore. Uh, we want, my favorite novel is Dracula. You're welcome. Yes, thanks to Brooke. <laughs> who me into that. And I don't know if you've ever read that, um, Brad. If you ever read the old novel by Bram Stoker. Oh, it's been a while, like sophomore year of uh, English class in high school, but I did read it. Because th- there's a bit of a connection to the original novel in this. Yes, and, there is. But l- let's get to that when we get to it. We, we do our standard. That this is a this this one runs very much in the Are You Afraid of the Dark formula. We have that beautiful, beautiful intro. Yes. Dark. That spooky. Spooky. You know, we're talking beautiful in a dark and spooky way. <laughs> uh, love that intro with the, the the shutters and the clown and all that. We could go. We could. Which have Brett it. has a sticker of the yes. clown. Yeah, that was a big hit with everyone when I revealed it because they were not expecting it at all. But I just felt like I needed to share it because for a lot of people, they couldn't even like keep their eyes open when that 
you yeah. know, intro came on. Oh, on it's the show. iconic. You had to like power through it just to get to the story. It's true. So he was like the gatekeeper of testing. Well, are you are you like courageous enough to watch? Are you afraid of the dark? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I and, and that clown stays with you. Yeah, really when does. you posted it, I was like, "Oh, I don't need any. I don't need any explanation. Yeah. I know exactly what this Again, is." <laughs> this is somebody who gets. It. This isn't just somebody who's like, "Oh yeah, I remember that little scary story." No, no, he's horrifying. No, 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 no. If you remember the clown and you you then you really valued it. Really yeah. hit home with you, you know. So um, yeah, uh, so we o- so after the intro, uh, we open uh, through this point of view of someone coming into the clearing where the campfire is. Gary and Betty Ann are there, like they've gotten of course. there early. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Gary's the leader, so he's going to be there early. Now, Brett, I don't think I've ever asked you this, and this is just <laughs> something about how I feel personally. I always felt that like Betty Ann was kind of like the second in command. That's how I saw her. I don't know if that's how you saw her. If if not, that's fine. I just always saw her as like Gary's. Like, hey, Betty Ann, if things if something happens to me, if <laughs> I'm sick, <laughs> you got this thing. I mean, did you ever hey. feel that way? I mean, I, I honestly could see her running her own Midnight Society if she wanted to, like, break off and do her own thing. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I would think, you know, Gary's the leader. Betty's, like, second in command. Frank's the muscle, maybe third in command. Um, and then up from there, you can kind of decide who to pick in place. Yeah. Whatever order you want. But, yeah, yeah, it's like Betty, like, Gary and Betty and, like, the king and queen of darkness. Like, yeah. they're just. Pretty much. Yep. I yeah, just love and, it. And I know that he had a thing for Sam, but I always, like, imagine, like. <laughs> But what if? <laughs> what if, right? <laughs> right? You know? Yeah, yeah may- maybe Gary and Sam broke up shortly after the tale of the night shift, and then we find out some odd years later they actually got together, yeah. and they had like a kid who runs their own Yes, I am so here for like, that. That'd be great. I would, yeah. <laughs> because my thing is like she was there all along. Like that's yeah. that, To me, that's what happened. Like, Of course, you know, Sam's cute, totally, I get it. But then you're like, wait a minute, you've been here all this time, and then boom. In my head, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Same here. And I would I would have been, you know, knee slapping, laughing if uh, Sam ended up getting with Frank after all that uh, hassle. <laughs> I right. could see it. I could totally see Maybe, it. Maybe. Yeah. And this yeah. is what happens when you get a bunch of fans. Around. Right. <laughs> I mean, we didn't plan this, but this is like the first five seconds of the episode. And, you know, we're already fangirling over everything. This is <laughs> we're coming up this with is, theories and building our own universe. Right. Exactly. That's what you do. And this is this is um this is what we would do, I think, if we were hanging out with Brett without anything recorded, I think we'd be like, well, what we'd you still do this. <laughs> yeah. We would still do this, whether we were recording oh, yeah. about an episode or not. hundred <laughs> percent. We find that we're in the point of view of Kristen, David and Kiki who are arriving to the campfire. Gary and Betty Ann, as we said, are already there. Um, Kiki and David are particularly ready to rush things along because it's fright night at the majestic theater, Gorama triple feature and Kiki has got free tickets. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Frank arrives. And he comments that he's never going back to Fright Night. And Kiki asserts it's because he's afraid of the dark. And I think it's interesting. The show's called Are You Afraid of the uh-huh. Dark? And Frank is the one that's afraid of the dark. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, it's interesting. And they actually make a, a couple of mentions of it from the Tale of the Dark music and the Tale of the Dangerous Soup. Kind of like coming full circle with this like subdued story arc for Frank's character. Yeah. It is. It's interesting. And Brooke... I love to hear Brooke talk about Frank because <laughs> Brooke's like, listen, Frank's a tough guy, but he has a big he's heart. He's really not. He is, but he isn't. Oh, yeah. He, is, he, yeah, he of course, he's a, a tough, tough guy. But he's sensitive. He's got all he high. He, the tough exterior is the only he's only hiding the creamy nougat center. That's yeah. all. That's all it <laughs> well, is. You can't be friends with a guy like David. Right. And he was and best be, friends with David. and not be a sweet yeah. guy. Yeah. 
You know, David wouldn't hang out with just some, you know. Blockhead. Yeah. And, no, and Frank's not. He's not. He's precious. Right. I love him. <laughs> and what's interesting is that is that Frank is like, and what's interesting too is that Frank has no issue talking about his fear. He goes, I'm not going back and let me tell you why. Yeah, it's true. Kiki says yes because he's afraid of the dark. He says no. <laughs> and we know that Frank is afraid of the dark, but what bothers Frank is is actually direct, uh, directly connected to its story, his story because it's his night to tell the tale. Frank explains that once you get pulled into a movie at the theater, you forget reality. Right. All that matters is, and the only thing that's real, is the horror movie on the screen. Now, I know that. Uh, that's true. Yeah, That's true. why I slept yeah. with the lights on for five days after <laughs> after watching The Grudge. Good God. Right? Yeah. It's called uh, suspension of disbelief. It's a film term to like pretty much tell how like everything else around you just melts away and all you can focus on is you know this reality on screen that you're being sucked into. So it's a very real like illusionary effect yes. on yes. the perceiver. And Frank, after saying this and explaining this, he submits for the approval of the Midnight Society the tale of the Midnight Madness. Right. So the Midnight Madness. So now we are transported into Frank's story. Uh, and this story revolves around an old declining theater called the Rialto, which is a really beautiful place. You would think it'd be something that I like think a people... Land, would, a historical landmark or something. I think it would be something right? that would That's be... That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. I, would, I would think it would be protected by like a, 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 a registry. Yeah. Um, it plays old classic movies. It's not making any money, though. Uh, but I know that we have a, a historical downtown where we live. Yes. And, yeah. and there's buildings that, that remind me of the Rialto. Absolutely. That, that some businesses get in and use. There's an old opera house. And, uh, there's yeah, the a, opera house is gorgeous. There's a ballet. Um, yes. We're, the, we're currently doing rehearsals in the old Griffin Ballet space. And it is, I mean, it is like, I mean, 1900, like early 1900s old. Yeah. Leaks and all, right? And this this pla- <laughs> and this place isn't really making any money. In fact, it's Friday night, and the the theater only pulled six dollars. Uh, they had one person there, this old lady. Uh, the people that operate the theater are a young man named Pete, his name's, uh, played by actor Eddie Robinson, uh, and a young lady named Katie, played by actress Melanie Weisenthal. And I really love Pete. Yeah, and they, I really like him yeah, a lot. And they work for Mister Kristoff, who is played by actor Harry Stanjowski. And I've seen him in a few things. Yeah, I was going to say, I've, I definitely recognized him. Pete specifically. Yeah. yeah. Any, for any uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark fans, he also reappears in season six's The Tale of the Wisdom Glass. Ah, okay. Uh, uh, yep. P- Pete does, or is Mr. Christoph? Mr. Christoph. Mr. Christoph. Okay, so Harry Stanjowski. Okay. So Pete specifically had a love for old movies and the Rialto. He loved where he worked. I would love to work at a movie theater. Oh my gosh, there was two yeah. times in my life where I almost got a job in a movie theater, and both times I couldn't take it because it, they they wouldn't pay me enough money. But I I, I just wanted that, you know. Yeah. Uh, no matter how much uh, Pete tried, he couldn't drum up business. He he's outside passing out flyers. He wants people to come to this business because it's at risk of closing down, and the owners, whoever these people are, uh, we don't see them. Uh, but but they're ready to sell it. Mr. Kristoff's ready to give up. Katie's even looking in the market for another job. Yep. Uh, and Pete and Kate are good friends, but it's clear that there's more than just friendship. I really think this was one of the sweetest couplings. I loved them. Um, and and, and th- that I've seen mm-hmm. uh, in, in Are You Afraid of the Dark? You know, there's certain stories that where, where um, t- two people's connection really uh, impact you. Uh, you know, we did Tale of the Midnight Ride, Brett, and, and then, you know, there was Ian... Yeah. And Katie, yeah, like Katrina, yes. and they were okay. They were cute. They, lo- they 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 did fine. I love I love these two though. Yeah, and and I, I love the connection also. And, and this isn't romantic, but the brother and sister in uh, 
Oh my gosh, uh, Brett, the tale where uh, <laughs> it, it's it's the, 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 we find out the guy had been a ghost the whole time, and his tale the dream girl. Yes, yes. the tale the dream girl. That was a good episode. Mm, yeah. Yeah, phenomenal. And of course, the shiny red bicycle. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, one of my favorites. Oh, too. so that, good. That is a that is a heart wrenching episode. Yeah. And let me tell you something. So that's another thing about the show that it was able to do is really make these connections. Yeah. And create the, the this tug at your heartstrings. Yeah. And and we love to watch Pete and Katie together. And yeah. a, on a side note, I I, I think it's worth it's worth it to note. That we get one of our sweetest, most sincere couplings from Frank. Yes. He, I mean, you have to remember that he, well, not you, not you, but like, you know, we have to remember it's Frank telling this tale and it just furthers our theory that, you know, yes, he's a tough guy, but there's a lot of sweetness going on on yeah, the inside. And I think he, so. Definitely. And he safeguards that. And I think it, but it comes, you know, as it, as with all creative types, it comes out in our work. Yeah. So when things seem to be at the breaking point for the Rialto, this theater about to close down, a mysterious visitor arrives, and it's none other <laughs> than Dr. Vink himself. Oh, yes. And the we best. love him. He's back, baby. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Brett, you know, I'll let you, uh, you know, I'd like to hear what you think, but I think this is Dr. Vink. Okay, this in danger, it's interesting, this in dangerous soup, because when I think about Dr. Vink in The Phantom Cab, he's, he's definitely special sinister but yeah. he's also kind of silly and he's but and it's his introduction too we don't know we don't have anything to compare him to at that point but in danger soup and specifically let's talk about midnight madness this is dr vink at, i think his most like sinister oh i agree yeah something I, I can't quite put my finger on it but just just the way he's like orchestrating all these things inside of his head and only like only an arm's reach away from the movie theater, it makes you wonder like what his true intentions are. And also, you know, he mentions that he's a filmmaker, like, okay, we've seen one film from him, but what else has he's done? I'd like to see some of those or like some of the other jobs that he does. Cause he's like this very elusive Jack of all trades kind of character. Who's just appearing one moment and gone the next. Yes. And, and what I like about this story is that it actually does reveal to us a little bit about Dr. Vick, you know, in, 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 uh, Phantom Cab, he's kind of this weird hermit guy. He's and, the witch in the woods, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they call him a natural scientist in the episode. So take with that what you will. Exactly. Right. He always right. reminded me as Hagrid in that role. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we yeah. get we get a little bit more in this episode. You know, Vink walks in, makes himself right at home. This is Aaron Tager, the actor. I always have to mention him because yeah. he's just excellent. And, and and it's the late Aaron Tager. You know, he's not with us anymore. We miss him. He. Yeah, he loves the theater. He brandishes one of Pete's flyers. Yep. And uh, that he was giving out earlier, to, that he was trying to drum up business for the place. Vink's like, this is yours, right? You know? Yeah. But Vink isn't just visiting. He's there to save the theater. He prances around the theater. He talks about how much he loved the older days. So this is the first point I want to make about Dr. Mm-hmm. Vink that I think it it reveals. He's kind of, we don't know how old he is. which Seriously. makes us, Which makes us wonder, how old is he? Is he supernatural? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I've always wondered that myself. Like, is he like a regular old person's age or is he like been around for centuries, but we don't know because there's magic that's keeping him alive. Yes, exactly. Yes. And then magically, because here's the thing, this is the next point. Uh, He reveals under his cloak a large case. He's on the stage at this point. Mm -hmm. 
he reveals a large case. And by the way, Melanie, uh, excuse me, not Melanie, I called the actress's name, Pete and Katie and Mr. Christopher watching this go down. He reveals under his cloak a large case holding a film reel. This particular film, he says, is a vampire film, a film that he made. This is interesting. Yeah. So Dr. Vink made this film, so he directed this film, filmed it. Yeah. You know, right. And it's and it's clearly black and white, silent film. So yeah. and he again, says, how old is this guy? And he says <laughs> unique because in this one, the vampire wins. Now this is important. Mm-hmm. The bad guy wins. Yeah. Vink is a I love sh- those downer endings from Are You Fair the Dark. Yeah, we love those twisted endings. You know, Betty Ann is kind of the master of the twisted ending. But uh, uh, Frank also threw us some curveballs. Vink assured uh, Mr. Kristoff and uh, Pete and Katie his films will be a success. He only wants one night a week to show the films. He doesn't even want money. He just says, just show my film. Just show it. That should be be a tip-off. I'm sorry. Right. Well, you know, my, 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 my red flags, if I'm a, you know, young person, are going off at that point. (laughs) And here's the next point I want to say about Vink. He has talked about the old days, so he's clearly been around a while. Yes. He materializes this film under his cloak. I mean, he's walking around, and then he stops, and he pulls his cloak up, and there's this big, heavy metal box yeah. with the film in it. Here's the next thing he said. He says, I assure you, your theater will make more than six bucks. This is a conversation between Pete, Katie, and Christoph. Vink wasn't present for it. Good point. So what the heck? <laughs> Definitely supernatural is my hypothesis. How long was Dr. Vink, you know, Brett, do you ever think about that? How long was Dr. Vink watching this theater, listening? Uh, how how did he get this? Yeah. Yeah, it makes you wonder if he was there all along or, like, if he was just eavesdropping on them from behind a banister or what. It really leaves a lot to the imagination for what could be happening, but we just, we don't know even based on what we're seeing. Right. And they, so, but here's the thing. They think. Uh, Vink is, as many people think when they meet him, is a nutbag. Right, right, right. He always protests <laughs> he's not a nutbag. They put Vink's film away, and the Rialto continues to decline. They haven't shown his film yet. However, one night, something happens. The regular film they were showing, which are these old, boring movies, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> mysteriously melts. It, it, it ruins it. Uh, my friend Jeff over in... Uh, my good buddy, best friend Jeff over in Washington, mm-hmm. will probably be able to tell you what that's called. Likely a brain wrap. Uh, mm-hmm. Was his one thing that can go wrong? He he, he worked at a theater for years, um, but the the film goes it, it completely is ruined, almost. Coinc- you yeah, want to say, it's, it's not um, a coincidence, but there's not a coincidence. I don't think. In, in a moment, he's like of, y'all waited a little bit too long. I'm gonna yeah. have to. In a moment of desperation, here. they beg their audience to stay and show Vink's film Nosferatu, the Demon Vampire, which it's is a, a film. Yeah, and it's a silent film. Right. A silent film from what is the 1920s. Yes. But here, here's what's interesting. We only see a little bit of the film. Obviously, it's a whole film. Frank's tale only gives us the ending. Right. And and certainly, the vampire does win at the end. And Nosferatu, I mean, he's a pale, gaunt. He's not like what you think of Dracula as as this almost attractive, handsome Right. Which figure. he's written to be. But Nosferatu is is decrepit, and he's got long fingernails and twisted teeth. The and big teeth and the bald, bald head. And, but here's the thing. The person he kills at the end is named Harker. Mm-hmm. And what does that beckon That's to? That's Jonathan Harker from Dracula. Yeah, he's the... He's the if fir- you're familiar with the Dracula story, it begins with Dra- uh, Jonathan Harker in Dracula's castle, and the rest of the, the novel continues because Jonathan escapes. 
And then, you know, Dracula makes his way to England and we have the rest of the story. But in this version, au contraire, Jonathan does not make it out of that castle. Right. It's like, a, yeah, it's this scene at a, in a castle. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and Nosferatu attacks Jonathan, who just looks like a guy. Right. But Nosferatu himself is like this black cloaked figure with a pale, bald head. And he's played... Uh, by an actor, I, I didn't even realize that I knew who this guy was. Really? That plays Nosferatu. It's Christopher Heyerdahl. He was in Hell on Wheels. Oh. He played the, the, the guy, the Swede. Oh. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. He has, yeah. Have you ever seen him in anything else? I, I don't know if you... Oh, yeah, plenty. Um, he's also been in Sons of Anarchy, and he's also been in Twilight as a vampire, too. Um, the name, the name eludes me at the moment, but it's in my scary tales book, but actually we see him like two tales later as Leonid in the tale of the 13th floor. Oh, I didn't know that. See, and this guy has a very particular look about him. He's very, he's very menacing almost. He he just even sunken eyes, right? Even as a regular guy, he just looks, he has a very striking appearance. But done up as Nosferatu, right? And interestingly enough, as far you know, for again, like because I'm Dracula was my senior capstone project. I'm I'm very, you know, that's very de- near and dear to my heart. Nosferatu, uh, the film came out in 1929. It was at and it they claimed there was no connection to the novel, which is not really that. There's no way. Right, but um, it this came out in 1929. The novel came out in 1897, so that's actually not that big of a gap. I mean, it's a big gap, but it's not that big of a gap. We're talking about Ari Fred of the Dark 30 years later. It, exactly. So Nosferatu was written by Germans for a German audience, and I, I, interestingly enough, Stoker's heirs sued because wow. of the likenesses to the book. They're like, "No, we promise, we didn't, uh, we didn't rip it off." But what's interesting is that here in this tale. We re- it's like they it's like they made their commentary on that. They're like, no, it absolutely is ad- adapted from Dracula because they put Harker in it. So yeah. my my English teacher nerd had to had to assert that really quickly. And while we're on vampires, Brett, what did you think of the tale of the nightly neighbors? Because this is another vampire tale. You know, we have to throw that in. Yeah, I I, th- I consider that more of like a, a mystery oriented tale than like vampire focused. Yes, there are vampires in it, and we don't really get a full sense of their presence until the end, really. Um, but I I like watching it for like the mystery aspects and just wondering what's like going through Emma's head as she's she's trying to like gather clues to prove that the new neighbors that moved in are vampires. And I really like the the twist at the end, you know, that I'm not really going to spoil, just go watch the episode right. and, watch the, um, <laughs> and how it kind of challenges her beliefs about what's happening. And uh, just as a quick note, if anyone's ever read read any of the Are You Afraid of the Dark books that came out in like the mid 90s, um, there's actually uh, an adapt- adaptation of the nightly neighbors in like chapter book form. And it actually expands uh, upon the story, like much further after the end point that we see in the show. And it gets really interesting. So if you happen to pick that up at like a thrift store or find it online somewhere, I definitely recommend it. It's worth a read. We lucked out and found, we, we've lucked we found out one. and found one. And my cousin, Michael, and, and yes. um, he lives in uh, Nevada he found a couple and sent them, and they're they're grails. If you can find the Are You Afraid of the Dark books, uh, you're or, lucky and blessed indeed. Or the board game, yeah, that's like finding 
that's pure that's, gold. That's a grail. Yeah, fine. Pretty pretty much. I actually owned one of the books. Uh, it was called Tale of the Ghost Riders, and I did a giveaway last year. And believe it or not, JD owns it now, <laughs> so he gets to enjoy it. Yeah, that's awesome. So yep. Yeah, so this is a vampire film. Yes. And and Pete becomes curious uh, because he's noticing the impact. I mean, because when they show this movie. Again, last ditch, desperate effort. Everyone loves it. Yeah, they give it the, a few shots to the audience, and they are clearly into it, intrigued. There's something about these this movie. The Rialto then begins a Saturday midnight madness, and this they're only showing the one movie. Yep, it's just just, 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 just Nosferatu. But the Rialto's business begins to boom to the point where the owners decide not to sell, and then of course, at the height of their success. However long later, Dr. Vink, as always, arrives unannounced, but in grand, fa- grandiose fashion. Yes. And presses Kristoff. He says, here's the thing. I don't want any money. Don't want your popcorn money, he says. Yeah, your popcorn money. It's <laughs> a great line. Yeah. yeah. He just wants to show more movies. He wants to show more movies. So what is this? Yeah, so so when he shows a movie, what does that do? This what is, peaks, this peaks, yeah. Pete, uh, this peaks, Pete's curiosity. <laughs> so he wants to figure out what, what is it about these movies that, that are pulling people mm-hmm. to the Midnight Madness. Uh, and he starts to study it and find out why it's so alluring. He ends up kind of dozing. He's kind of in and out of consciousness uh, he's, as he's watching the Nosferatu movie. And this is where we see it. This is really scary. Yeah, it is. Kid, because we've watched the movie end. And the, the ending is Nosferatu bites Harker and he dies. Yeah. In this movie, he bites Harker. Harker dies, but then the movie continues to play while Pete's like kind of dozing. Yeah. And Nosferatu f- turns to the direction of the audience with Pete. Yeah. And he straight up walks out of the screen. And yeah, Ooh. out of the black and freaked. white into color. Yeah, it totally freaked me out as a kid when I first first watched this because it was at the end of Snick, and I was like maybe four or five at the time. So it was like my my young brain at the time was like, oh no, is he gonna like reach out of the TV and get me when I'm sleeping. I, oh, I don't yeah. want to see him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he's scary. He does not look He looks like. horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, if you walked into your house, you'd run away or shut the door. Totally. Well, Pete kind of snaps out of it. He doesn't see anything. He goes to Katie, who's working concessions, and he, he basically says, hey, I, I don't know if it's a dream or whatever, but I, I thought I saw Nosferatu walk out of the screen. And Katie's like, Whatever. Right. Like any of us would do. Like yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I'm sure you were dreaming. But then a scream is heard. It's coming from Mr. Kristoff's office. They run there. Who had been filing his nails, which I thought was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Kristoff is unconscious at his desk, and he has two small bleeding holes in his neck. Well, at this point, we know. Yeah, we know. Nosferatu actually did walk up out of that screen. <laughs> and Those ain't Pete, mosquito bites. Right. I know, right? <laughs> Pete and Katie are horrified, and they tempt, attempt to flee the theater... Pete's like, listen. Yeah, the I, phone lines are down. They can't call anybody. Yeah, what has happened here? And he said, and 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 so, is it Nosferatu? Is it Doctor Vink? Is it both? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. All yes to all. They're thwarted though when they try to leave the theater and they encounter Nosferatu, who is definitely out of the film. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's you know alive flesh, and and in Technicolor, flesh and blood, if possible for a vampire. Uh, he's and he's lurking around and not not running after them. He's just kind of very slowly lurking, lurking and pursuing them, and and which is worse because that's like I'll I'll need to run, I'll get you. 
That's <laughs> to me. That's way scarier. Right. Pete is. It's conf- a very calm confidence. So like wherever they end up hiding, he'll be there. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so much worse. Kind of like what Michael yeah. Myers would do. In the yeah. Movie. Oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. It never runs. Pete is convinced that Vink's film is magic at this point, and he has an idea. He has Katie start the film, and sure enough, when she puts it on, it shows the scene right. that Nosferatu walked out of. Uh, she is attacked by Nosferatu. I mean, he doesn't do anything to her, but he, he, he approaches her. He's about to get her, but when he sees the film starting, he leaves her alone and pursues Pete, who is able to walk through the film screen and get into the movie. Nosferatu enters the film in an attempt to kill Pete, but Pete says, I'm going to end this thing the right way. He pulls the curtain down, and the sunlight, as we know what does right. to vampires, kills Nosferatu, ending the film in a happy way. Right. Pete comes out. So Nosferatu is gone. He's been completely vaporized by the sun. Pete comes out safely and embraces Katie. Kristoff is fine. It undoes, undoes... Toby. Whatever. It undoes... <laughs> So so Kristoff has been had been bit and now suddenly he's fine. Yeah. Which kind of alludes to the book when Dracula Yeah. you know mm-hmm. kind of says you know their idea is Van Helsing's idea is if we kill Dracula it's going to It's going to it's going to reverse all the effects on those that are that are have been bitten or have been you know are per, in the process yeah. of being turned. Right. Well, Pete and Kate embrace. Kristoff's like, "Hey, what the heck happened?" I feel like that's his general uh, Right, exactly. how he is with everything. But the celebration is cut short as we find that Dr. Vink was kicked back, sitting down in the theater, watching this thing the whole time. And he's not at all disappointed. He's not Again, at all thwarted. disconcerting. And he has news. <laughs> he's bought the theater. And he informs Pete, Katie, and Mr. Kristoff that he has films that are far better than Nosferatu. Which means for us, far worse. Right. So what does that mean for Pete and Katie? Who knows? Hopefully they got out of there. At any rate, this is where Frank's story ends. But this is a twisted ending. So scary. Dr. Vink essentially wins. Because he has bought the theater. He owns it. And God knows what's going to happen. Because it's clear that what's in these films comes out. Yes. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. So what the heck has Dr. Vink been doing? He's like... This this episode cements to me the kind because you know you wonder what kind of villain is Doctor Vink you know you always you know you kind of wonder what their method is and I'm like are you like I feel like he's like a Joker I just want to watch the world burn you know like I just want to see what'll happen if I actually get to unleash my stuff you know I just want to see I just want to I just kind of want to play because I mean you have to think if he if if Nosferatu is his film. That means he directed it in 1929 or 1928 and then released it in 1929. So he was a whole adult in 1929. And here we are in what, 1993? Like, yeah, like, 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 yeah, 70 years decades, later. Decades. Yeah, 60 something years later. Yeah, decades later. And he's still at it. I mean, that is horrifying. Yeah, who knows how many films he has either and what type. I mean, there could be like a Frankenstein one, Mummy, Wolfman. Exactly. Swamp Thing. Could be like any of the classic universal monsters we all know and love or it could be something far worse. We we just don't know. But I love how it leaves a lot to the imagination at the end while also terrifying you and filling you with dread at the same time. And who doesn't kind of in a sinister way, dark way that's in us all like to watch Dr. Vink come out on top. We exactly. Kind of like, we, <laughs> yeah. he's a villain we love. I mean, like, we hate him and we love to hate him. 
I don't I don't hate him though. I love him. <laughs> There's no hatred there. And and speaking of Dr. Vink, obviously, and Aaron Tager, the actor, um last week we did the Tale of Twisted Claw and I don't even want to say the villain, definitely the kind of the antagonist. Yeah. I don't know. I think the antagonist of the Tale of the Twisted Claw was, was, the boys. was Kevin. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not not really Dougie. <laughs> but uh, Miss Clove, who is played by actress Ann Page, you know, we discovered last week, we had just discovered this, Brett, that, that Ann Page, Miss Clove, was married to Aaron Tager. And they had such a sweet relationship. Oh and I gosh. think it's amazing that here is Dr. Vink, who's like... Not the, only, ul- the ultimate Are You Afraid of the Dark like favorite And not only, villain. Aaron Tager also is Zebo. Yes. Is married to Miss Clove, who is another really tremendous mythical figure in Are You Afraid of the Dark. And Miss Clove is much more than, she, than you think she is. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot underneath the surface, and I honestly wish that we got to see more of her. But it also makes you wonder if you want to like connect the dots you know, maybe Dr. Vink and Miss Clover are, are married behind the scenes too, or like they, they just meddle with children's lives in different ways and team up somehow. It, it leaves a lot to the imagination because of the open-ended questions that their roles, you know, portray. Absolutely. You know, I don't know if you, and I'm sure you've thought about it. Cause I mean, I know I've thought about it. We talked about it with Crimson Clown. There's that Zebo video game. It, it may, so even before there was an MCU, which is the Marvel Cinematic right. Universe, there was an AYAOTD TVU, which is an <laughs> Are You Afraid of the Dark television universe where, where this stuff is connected. Yeah, because really lots of lots of these tales are connected in different ways. Even if it's just like a quick reference, if you're if you're an OG fan and you're watching and listening, yeah. you'll catch yep. them. We, we kind of all have our um, like conspiracy theory bulletin boards. We're like putting up photos of different characters and <laughs> yes. you know, putting push pins in with the yarn. Like, yes. We're all just trying to connect the dots to create the dark verse, as I like the to call it. Yeah, the dark verse. Oh my gosh, yeah. I Definitely love it. Definitely better than AYAOTDTV. The DTU. Yeah, that's, that's too unwieldy. You got to say dark verse. <laughs> dark on its own is it's piffy to the point, mysterious, and just imposing. No. So, so in the dark verse, <laughs> yeah. And we, and we know that the Midnight Sight is, is in the dark verse with Silver Sight. We know there was that crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, I would love to see how we can, you know, I'd love to know, like, because another one of my tales, and I can't stop when we're all around, you know, and Brett, you're here, I, I want more tales pop into my head because one of the, the most mysterious talisman, talisman yeah. in, the, in the dark verse is uh, the Curious Camera. Oh, my gosh. That, oh, yes. That freaking gremlin. Yeah. And Have you done an episode on that yet? No. No, and we can't wait because can it's ha- going to happen. But if we do one, we'll have you back. So we can talk about it. Yes. I want to talk about that freaking gremlin. I don't want to talk about it too much. But, um, <laughs> yes. But, he has his own backstory to explore. But this is a great episode. So the, so Frank ends his tale. It's, it's, this is one of the best in, in the series, in my opinion, as well. Yeah. The tale obviously spooks Kiki and David to the point where they decide not to go to Fright Night after all. And they give their tickets to Frank, mm-hmm. who invites Gary. Yep. And my question is, <laughs> and Gary's like, let's go. Yeah. But my question is, Betty Ann should be going to this yes! thing. Yes. Right? This is right <laughs> up her alley. This is her kind of tale, honestly. In my mind, she had a ticket. Yeah, maybe she snuck in after with them. Um, but it does it does make me think about how Gary and Frank like tag-teamed the Tale of the Cutter's Treasure in Season 4. So maybe that was like the beginning of their friendship getting a little bit closer there with that little nod. That's yeah, awesome. I like that. Yeah, because again, you, you wonder who, who we know 
a little bit of who's really tight outside the midnight side. Right. Isn't. I feel like the only one that nobody hung out with was like Eric. <laughs> right. Because, well, and, yeah. For obvious That's reasons. Why he only lasted one season. <laughs> Do you think he only lasted one season because the audience is like, we don't like that kid? Uh, I mean, he didn't have the sunniest of dispositions. He had like a few tender moments, like with Tale of Jacob and the Leprechaun, but he's mostly kind of a, a rich, mischievous kind of jerk. Um, and I, I, I pretty much just put it out there as like fan theory, but I want to make it official is that at the end of Dark Music, when uh, Frank scared him into the woods with his like paybacks are sweet moment with the flashlight, you know, he he ended up running into a pack of wolves that we also hear in the background once in a while. <laughs> You know, it, it's kind of dark, but let's just say that the next meeting, uh, Gary and pals found his shredded sweater on the path. Oh, like, God. oh, there, here, here we are. <laughs> here lies Eric. <laughs> and they never spoke of him ever again, which is why he never got a send off on screen. Exactly. It's interesting. Yeah, we will never speak of this again. <laughs> we know that Kristen and, da- uh, Kristen and David do get a send off. And, mm-hmm. you know. Before we close this tale, I do want to just say that I really love, um, and, and this is this is more of a a nod and a note for the creators of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I love that, especially, you know, and look, the 90s was a long time ago. There's a lot of things that have progressed since then. However, I love that they made a lot of their love interests or, you know, their, their you know, pairings. They didn't pay any mind to, to uh, there was no racial issue. Right. I Definitely love not. that. It's- um, it's progressive for the time. Yes, it was because I because I mean I remember being a kid and not seeing a lot of that. Right. But now watch, watching this episode as an adult, I was like, hey, this is awesome actually, because they just it, it's just a normal thing, which it is, of course. Um, but many times, if you if you saw a a um, you know whatever race it was, different two different you know people getting together there'd have to be like this big storyline behind it, you know, and, right. and they'd have to make that part of the narrative. Nope. This was just a normal, sweet pairing. And I, I, as a person who's, you know, biracial, I really appreciated that. And it made, it, it made me feel like happy and seen. And I thought that was very oh, important. important. Right. Um, yeah. It's, to an, put that it's in there. like an extra layer, extra detail that they put in there to help you connect with more kids uh, who may n- not necessarily be like, in the mainstream. So it's, it's nice that they touched all their bases when, you know, they set up these characters for these tales. Like I know in the tale of the super specs from season one, that's exactly what um, I was Ma- thinking. Yes. Yeah. Mary Beth and weeds are also uh, a mixed racial couple. Exactly. Too, and, and they don't, you know, they, they don't reference it. Well. They, they don't say anything about it. It's right. just, it's, this is just how it is. There's, there's no yeah. storyline that needs to be attached to this. Yeah. It just is life. And I was like, it, it was the normalcy of it that I appreciated. Like we don't need to we don't need to talk about this. This is normal people. Speaking so of which, I love it. When I think of the tale of super specs, I think of how Kristen visits Gary Yes, in the magic shop. In the magic shop and talks about how his stories haven't been great lately. Mm-hmm. And when but when he shows up to Midnight Society meeting, Betty Ann is like, Gary always tells mm-hmm. the best stories. Speaking yeah. of interracial yeah. relationships yeah. To, to her his defense. <laughs> She's quick to come to his defense, which which Because she loves him. Well it makes me also <laughs> If we want to connect the yarn there, but it definitely makes me think of Betty Ann is there to help uphold his leadership, you know, because he's worth it. So I love that. Well, we can go all over the place with this, but yeah, that is the tale of the Midnight Madness. Yes, so iconic and so good. Yeah, but uh, a special one to have you on for, Brett. Yeah, we're glad you 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 came out. So, um, but yeah, uh, I I I I really don't have much else to really add to 
to that. Hopefully that's we, a lie. You could talk all night. We probably could. <laughs> Because I want to go into other you know, you're tales. Gonna, you're gonna ca- we're going to cap it, though, is what we're saying. We're going to cap it, yeah. Well, uh, Brett, it's been great having you on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I always love the opportunities to talk more about Are You Afraid of the Dark and you know, c- keep that campfire alive in our hearts and minds for many generations to come because we are essentially the gatekeepers now. We grew up with the show. We, we are the fans. We understand the show and what it means to us. And we just want to be able to share it with the world for those who may not have grown up with it or want to know more about it. So, you know, we're here standing at the front lines, just making sure that we all get to enjoy it together and continue its legacy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, before we go, Brooke, just tell everybody where they can find us. Yes. Um, real quick. Um, if you are on Instagram, that's where we spend a lot of our time. Most of our times where we connect with you guys. We are at the tape store. Uh, also, if you're on Instagram, if you're following us or if, uh, you're checking out our stuff, make sure you check out Brett at at Brett Wilson art. You will not want to miss his amazing illustrations. Um, if we're on Twitter, we're the tape store pod. If you're on TikTok, we're at the tape store. And if you want to shoot us an email, we are the tape store podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And check out Brett's, um, podcast splat attack. Yes. Also on Instagram at it's, it's just at splat attack podcast. Correct. 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 Yeah. Excellent. Well, Brett, do you have anything for us before we sign out? Before we declare um, the meeting closed? Other than just, you know, Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you all for appreciating Are You Afraid of the Dark? And uh, look forward to more exciting things in this uh, spooky realm of storytelling in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we need to earmark uh, Curious Camera. And I'd like to, honestly, I'd like to have you on to talk about Dangerous Soup. So yes. We, we need oh, to- yeah. I'm there for it. Oh, Yeah. Maybe November. Yeah, we, I was gonna say we we had we had tentatively in our normal conversation just said maybe we can have him back on in November. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, guys, uh, it's been great, and as always, thank you for your time. Thank you if you have taken any of your time out to listen to this podcast and listen to us. You know, again, relive the magic of of the '90s and what we grew up with, and and the magic of Are You Afraid of the Dark, the magic of the campfire, which is very real. Um, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, just want to let you know any amount of time you spend with us greatly appreciated thank you Brett this has been the tale of the midnight madness are you afraid of the dark Frank's tale and this is Toby and this is Brooke and this is Brett yes thank you Brett I didn't know who we do that but great yeah <laughs> Yay. excellent you picked it up alright bye guys and uh, forever dark as you say Brett forever dark forever dark bye guys bye